before this game started, Kilmer said, 48 minutes for the next 48 years of our lives. I say, fuck that. Right? I say, fuck that. Let's go out there and we'll play the next 24 minutes for the next 24 minutes. And we'll leave it all out on the field. We got the rest of our lives to be mediocre, but we have the opportunity to play like gods for the next half of football. But we can't be afraid to lose. There's no room for fear in this game. And we go out there and we half-ass it because we're scared. All we're left with is an excuse. We're always gonna wonder. But we go out there and we give it absolutely everything that's heroic. Let's be heroes. Come on. Who's ready? Get up. Come on. you make the point of saying someone's not a genius. You think I'm especially not a genius? Suck like that one, you cheap dime store. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of The Greatest Moments in the History of Forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 284, Varsity Blues Revisited. Don't you just love when that MTV film's astronaut comes across the screen? Oh, yeah. We're definitely going to talk a little bit about MTV films. Hell, yeah. At one point. For those of you new to the program... A revisited episode is where we do a topic we've already done, and we try to do it a little bit better. We use a little bit of a different theme song at the opening, a remix, if you will. I think we can do it a little bit better. Yeah. I feel pretty confident with that. We originally tackled Varsity Blues way back on February 10th, 2016, episode number seven. Huh. It ran a whopping 46 minutes. <laughs> it was a different time. I expect this one will go a little bit longer. For whatever reason, we have two more revisited episodes planned in 2022. I think we got a little bit carried away. We're going to dial that back a little bit. Yeah. Next year, there will be less than there were this year. We went a little heavy on the revisiteds, but whatever. Varsity Blues is going to be fun to talk about again. Oh, yeah. This is just the type of movie we can dive into anytime. And it's football season. We're in full swing. What better time to talk about high school football? (laughs) (laughs) So before we discuss Varsity Blues, let's remind our listeners to follow the show on Twitter, at GreatestPod, and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc. Please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We love to see it. We love to hear from... 
anyone who's out there listening, engage with us on Twitter, all of that good stuff. If you'd like a free sticker, you can also let us know on Twitter, at Greatest Pod, and we'll ship that out to you. I'm all caught up. Find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, and Matt Crosby on there. So let's dive into it. Varsity Blues was released in 1999. It was directed by Brian Robbins, who I was telling you before is now oh, yeah. the head of Paramount. Whoa. <laughs> Runs about that? Paramount Plus and all of their various divisions. He came up, I think, through the Nickelodeon MTV branch because he directed Good Burger and mm. stuff like that. Well, what a rise to prominence. Yeah. I don't know that it is that embarrassing that the head of Paramount directed Varsity Blues, but maybe or is the it fact cool? that he directed Norbit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one might be a little tougher. Sure. Varsity Blues was written by W. Peter Eiliff. Huh. And it was released under the MTV Films umbrella. And it was the early days of MTV Films, which is something that actually yeah. still exists. That's right, yeah. They just did the jackass movie yeah it's still involved with the jackass stuff and bad grandpa and all that but it has had quite a few hits over the years massive hits but this was the era of joe's apartment which was the very first mtv film wow beavis and butthead do america dead man on campus that's right starring mark paul gosler (laughs) a massive bomb fucking morris varsity blues 200 cigarettes yeah Election. How about that? And here you go. The South Park movie. That's right. Longer and uncut. Wow, okay. Varsity Blues was released in the middle of a time period that we were experiencing firsthand. The the teen movie resurgence at the end of the 90s. This was definitely the peak James Vanderbeek era. There were a few teen films seemingly released every month, it felt like. Teenagers were returning to the theaters to see 10 things i hate about you can't hardly wait she's all that etc although this is rated r yes this is a a little bit more of an edgy take on that and it's a mix of a teen film and a sports film the budget was 16 million box office 54.3 million so it was a a nice sized hit i think it's gone on to carry a legacy that would far extend the typical $50 million movie from 20-plus years ago. I think this is one that, for a certain demographic, everybody saw and was aware of. Right. One scene in particular is sort of its legacy, and it precedes itself. It carries a 43% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is a little harsh. It seems like most of the criticism was that people found the film formulaic and similar to many other sports films. I think that's okay, though. It's but entertainment. The diversions and the little eccentricities, the unique moments, I think stand out more so in Varsity Blues than a lot of other films, which is the reason why people remember it and why it sticks out. And yes, there's the scene you're referring to, the whipped cream bikini, but I think there's a few yeah, other yeah. ones, too, and... This film came out in the late 90s before everyone had limitless access to pornography. So it's an R-rated movie, but it's aimed towards teenagers. So it's going to get this reputation because of whipped cream bikinis, naked girls in a police car, a teacher being a stripper. Uh Also that general teen angst, I don't want your life, that kind of a thing. (laughs) And so 
of course, this is going to be a movie that the more permissive parents allow their 15 and 16-year-olds to have at a sleepover, and then everyone knows about it. So I think it ended up exceeding the expectations that you would have for a film with these middling reviews. Sure. And the possibility for it to get lost in the shuffle amongst so many other teen films, so many other sports films, a glut of films like this at the end of the millennium. It's not just us who find right, right. humor in this movie and want to talk about it twice on our <laughs> podcast. I think it it's out there and oh, yeah. people still remember it and reference it. Most of the scenes are entertaining. It doesn't pack that much of a punch, but it's just funny. Yeah, that's something that I made a specific note about the value of entertainment slash watchability. Yeah, yeah. Do I think that this is a particularly great film? Not really. It feels like there's a lot of stuff missing. Yeah. It moves very quickly and glosses over stuff that it probably should highlight more. And it wants to hit so many different things that you could kind of make the case that it never really delves deep enough into any one thing. But it's funny. It's cartoonish. The performances are great. John Voight chewing scenery up. Absolutely. Delivering a hilarious performance as the evil Coach Gilmer. (laughs) He definitely brings the whole movie up a level. Even some of the lesser parts, like the parents are very cartoonish but funny. The girls are pretty. The guys are attractive and muscular. They're running around playing sports. They're having wild underage drinking parties, putting on whipped cream bikinis. It's all fun. But the sports stuff is... Not that great. There's some good stuff in there, but I can't really say that Mox's locker room speech is up there with the great <laughs> sports monologues or whatever. And the relationship stuff kind of peters out. Yeah. I do want to get to that at some point. Okay. I do think that the female characters are underserved in a big way, especially in the second half of the film. And especially Amy Smart, who I don't think I ever really realized is so underused and not really a big part of the movie at all true it's very strange because in your memory you just think of her as mox's girlfriend and she has a couple of important moments yeah when you watch it you could easily just cut her out of the movie she doesn't really factor into much i think my memory is always that she's heavily involved as his girlfriend and then there's this brief brief departure with the darcy stuff And then they're like back in. But actually, like she's out of the picture for long stretches. There's a lot of nostalgia tied up in this movie as well. Some of that factors into the soundtrack. Green Day. Oh, yeah. Foo Fighters. Third Eye Blind. Collective Soul. The Foo Fighters My Hero stuff is so good. Iconic use of that song. Yeah, there was something too about the cast and the way that the film is written and the tone of it that just reminds me of the 90s so much and being younger. I think that for obvious reasons, when you're talking about comedies or teen films from 20-plus years ago, younger generations are going to view them much differently, and they're going to view them under a lens that we don't really have because they've come up in different times when different things weren't as acceptable or whatever. And there might be more of a focus on stuff that the tweeter character says or whatever. Oh, totally. The inability to get past that. But there is something almost oddly 
I don't want to say sweet because that's not the right word, <laughs> but charming about the naivete about the film that it sure. doesn't take this stuff too seriously, even though it probably should. And that also yeah. makes it funny. Well, it's kind of like pre opioid crisis too. I mean, the stuff with Tweeter and all these like painkillers and shit, that would really probably not fly in as much of a goofy way today. Yeah, the opioid stuff, the CTE. Oh, well, definitely that. The injuries and... I figure at some point we're going to spend a decent amount of time on Billy Bob and his whole health situation. And Tweeter sort of referencing date Date rape rape. very casually. They do make the joke about, are you going to enjoy prison? But it's not really hammered home how his behavior is really... Unacceptable? Horrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Before we talk about the film itself, I guess there's a couple of things that we can file under semi-unpleasant business to talk about to varying degrees. The first thing is the University of Toronto trademarked the name Varsity Blues for its sports teams in the mid-80s. So there was a lawsuit that led to a settlement. Of course. The silver lining, I guess, would be that the University of Toronto was able to set up eight scholarships from the settlement. Okay. So that probably did cut into the profitability of the yeah. film. Would somewhat. be pretty cool to get the Varsity Blues scholarship. And then, unfortunately, two of the primary cast members, Paul Walker, who plays Lance, mm-hmm. and Ron Lester, who plays Billy Bob, have both passed away in the last 10 years, Walker in 2013, Lester in 2016. Man. But the strangest rabbit hole I found myself going down was oh, yeah. the story of Joe Pitchler, who plays Mox's younger brother, Kyle Moxon. Who is a weird character. At age 18 on January 5th, 2006, Pickler disappeared. According to the Charlie Project, the friends who last saw him stated he was in good spirits while he was with them. His car, a 2005 Toyota Corolla, was found on January 9th, 2006. At the intersection of Wheaton Way and Sheridan Road, he was reported as officially missing by his family on January 16. There was an outgoing call at 4.08 a.m., and then there was some sort of a a note, but it really wasn't clear that it was a suicide note. But I would mm-hmm. say that that seems to be the presumption at this point all these years later. Still but they never found a body. Strange and ominous. Yeah, which is something that when we first did this all those years ago on the pod, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Not a lot of research back then. (laughs) True. Yeah. That is true. And then finally, and most recently, in 2019, the FBI charged some 50 people, including several celebrities, with conspiracy to fraudulently influence academic and athletic admissions decisions at several elite colleges and universities. Multiple news outlets reported that the FBI's internal code name for the investigation was Operation Varsity Blues after the 1999 movie. And one of the movie's stars, James Vanderbeek, tweeted a wry response to the scandal in its name. Quote, If only there was a succinct turn of phrase these kids could have used to inform their parents they were not desirous of their life path. (laughs) This is a joking reference to the dramatic moment yeah. in the movie when Vanderbeek's character, Mox, tells his father, yeah. playing football at West Canaan may have been the opportunity of your lifetime, but I don't want your life. And that's the Lori Laughlin, yeah. Felicity Huffman scandal. It's pressed into my brain from that trailer. I don't want your life. It's so iconic from this movie. 
One thing that was jumping out to me is the need for a boutique 4K Blu-ray. And the reason I thought of it was there are some scenes in the trailer that are not used right. in the film. And on none of the releases that I know of have these deleted scenes been released. Yeah, you and I talked about it the last time we were recording. Because I obviously remember this trailer playing a lot. And it was part of this thing of somehow it's like well before the movie is even coming out. It's like already known as the whipped cream bikini movie. Just like Wild Things was the threesome movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was just a thing in the 90s. You brought up another one that I didn't remember, but I distinctly remember the sex and football line Yeah, being played in every tr- Jules TV says, spot. it's like you woke up in the Twilight Zone, sex and football, West Kane, yeah. <laughs> something like that. They're out in the woods somewhere that's right. not in the movie, and then there's a girl at the pep rally who wants Lance's autograph, and then he like takes the pen and she turns around and like lifts her skirt up so that he would like sign her butt, I oh, guess. Oh, wow. Of course, being that age when this trailer came out, I definitely remember that. And that's not in the movie either. However, I will point out that I have the Ultra HD transfer in my Voodoo library. And I found it to be a little dark. All right. And not as bright as the Blu-ray. I don't know which is the preferred vision of the filmmakers, but it seemed a little too dark. Yeah. Where the practice scenes seem like they're only practicing on the most overcast days imaginable. Well, I definitely feel like when Criterion eventually puts this out, <laughs> we're going to get all of those as supplements. Well, now that they're releasing WALL-E. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and everyone is furious. <laughs> oh. Okay, so let's jump into it. Varsity Blues. I'm sure it's available streaming for free somewhere if you haven't seen it. Fancy boy, you ready to show us your dinner? Yeah! Nothing but net. Billy Bob, Billy Bob, Billy Bob, Billy Bob, Billy Bob, Billy Bob. You think I'm gonna call some dinosaurs? Uh, I figured I'd give them a holler. <laughs> Billy Bob's gonna pee. Oh, If you're hungry, I'd like a few hot dogs in here. Oh. I'm back. Puke and rally. Give me a beer. Welcome to West Canaan, Texas, where football and winning are a way of life. 
Our lead character is the easygoing, academically gifted backup quarterback of the high school varsity team, Jonathan Mox Moxon, played by James Vanderbeek. He actually beat out Dawson's Creek castmate Joshua Jackson for the part. Oh, wow. Going back to that James Vanderbeek tweet that you read off, he's actually like a pretty good sport. He seems to lean into goofing on like these characters in movies that he played. Yeah, I don't know if goofing on is the right way to phrase it, but he's like a sense of humor about it. Yeah. I think he's still proud of it. Sure. Well, he should be. Rightfully so. Mox's home life consists of constantly clashing with his football-obsessed father, Sam, who is a dim bulb (laughs) with little time for anything else. Yeah, I don't think his dad was destined for the Ivy League. The first time we meet Sam, he's talking about how they all need to concentrate on tonight's game. Yeah, yeah. As if thinking about the game is going to somehow lead to a better result, even if you're not on the team or not playing or are 50 years old. I'm not really sure what his thought process is here, but he needs to think about the game. (laughs) Mox's brother Kyle is oddly obsessed with different religions. In the opening, he's strapping himself to a homemade cross. And later, he'll be starting a cult, all kinds of different things. And Mox is somewhat supportive of his brother's experimentations with faith. Yeah, this is rough for Dad, though. To this point, Mox, just career backup. And the other kid, I mean, come on. (laughs) I'm not seeing much of a football career here. Mom proves to not really be much of a huge factor Seems like she's pretty much steamrolled into the background by the oppressive lifestyle of football Uh in West Canaan, which is a theme. And it manifests itself even into the young ingenues cast in the romantic roles for Mox's girlfriend and Lance's girlfriend. Definitely. How Amy Smart and Allie Larder are are pushed to the background at various points. Yeah. Doesn't really makes sense to me why even the whole darcy thing her whole character arc is just basically like how can i latch on to one of these dudes to get out of this town mox plays football but it's clear that to him it's a game not life school is slightly more liberating mox's girlfriend is jules harbor played by the aforementioned amy smart she's intelligent Sassy, doesn't put up with shit or buy into the football culture, even though her brother, Lance, is the starting quarterback. Lance is played by Paul Walker. Much like Mox lives in Lance Harbor's shadow, Jules does as well. This guy has a fucking billboard of himself in their front yard. Mox has aspirations of leaving West Canaan behind, wanting to go to college at Brown University, and Mox also gets along well with his teammates, which include a nucleus of guys he grew up with, Lance, Billy Bob, played by Ron Lester, Tweeter, played by Scott Kahn, and Wendell, played by Elisle Swinton. Lester was already 28 years old by this point, playing a high school senior. And it wouldn't be the last time he would play a high schooler. He would also go on to more or less parody himself two years later in Not Another Teen Movie, And this is the second movie we've covered this year, which was spoofed in that film, with the first being Cruel Intentions. It's a rough part, but it's also seemingly what Lester wanted in real life, because even though 
his weight is a constant thing that's discussed and a constant part of the character. In real life, he ended up getting the gastric bypass surgery, I think shortly after Not Another Teen Movie, and he lost a lot of weight, and he regretted it in life. He stopped getting parts. His acting career basically dried up, and then he tragically died pretty young at 45 years old. I don't want to be insensitive here, but I don't know that it dramatically altered the amount of parts that he was going to get. This seems like it runs out at a certain point, the roles that you're going to get as this dude. Well, he also was on a show. Okay. So from his perspective, he's working regularly. All right. And then he's not. I get it. When you have a thing that you're known for. That's true. And then it's gone, then you don't have anything. Yeah, I think is the way that you would think of it. Lance is the hero of the town with the billboard in his yard. He's the star. Tweeter is the wide receiver. Prison seems right around the corner. (laughs) Completely obsessed with getting ass. (laughs) Won't shut up about it. Just losing his mind over it in the first sequence that we meet him. Obviously, Billy Bob is the offensive lineman. And Wendell is the running back. He's the sole featured African-American in the film. And race will eventually become part of the narrative as well. I would say that one of the things that probably holds back Varsity Blues a little bit is the sense that it does try to go after so many things that you could say that it doesn't quite nail any one of them exactly fully by the end. But at the same time, that's what kind of makes it fun is that there's just so much corruption and weirdness. Right. And all it takes is one traumatic injury, and the house of cards starts to collapse. Everything is changed, and everything's different after that. In my 30 years of coaching at West Canaan, I've brought two state titles and 22 district championships. Head coach Bud Kilmer, played by John Voigt. Really bringing it for this role. Yeah. Seemingly a role he was made for. Absolutely. Kilmer casts a large shadow over the school, over the town, and over the past and present. He's verbally abusive and completely controlling with influence that extends beyond merely his own players. Oh, the police are afraid of him. (laughs) When it all costs while the town turns a mostly blind eye. And this will go so far as to allowing the football players to enjoy a wild lifestyle that will include limitless underage drinking to the point where (laughs) Mox is trying to buy Coca-Cola at a convenience store, and the guy switches it out for a six-pack of beer. If that was me, I'd have been like, fuck you, I want this Coke. Coke. Yeah, including stealing a police car. Yeah, they can basically do whatever they want. No one has any more power or influence than Kilmer. Not teachers, not administrative people at the school, not parents, not police. No one. Uh huh. West Canaan's main street is somewhat reminiscent of the last picture show. It doesn't oh, yeah. seem like a great town. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think there's much going on. But the only time they really play that up is through the Darcy character being so adamant that she needs to get out of West Canaan. If you play football, you're basically not only the king of school, you're the king of town. Yeah. These guys' lives, it seems like, is pretty much as good as it can be. 
But for everyone else that's not a star football player, it seems like it's pretty lame. The play-by-play guy and the color analyst for the West Canaan Coyotes were not actors, but actual real Texas high school football announcers. That's great. Tweeter shows Mox's new end zone dance, which looks to be somewhat of an homage to the old icky shuffle, if people can remember that. Okay. Former running back for the Bengals. There's only five games left in his senior season, and Mox is just counting them down, eager to get out. The first game we see provides the corrupted roadmap. Oh, yeah. We'll soon be traveling down. Mox is secretly reading Slaughterhouse-Five on the sidelines. Lance is getting shot up with painkillers so that he can keep playing. And Billy Bob suffers a concussion during the game, which is quickly brushed off as nothing. I will say, though, in all fairness to everyone, (laughs) Mox contributes to the lax feeling in regard to Billy Bob's potential CTE. That's true. He's just out there as much as anyone else. Right. Saying, oh, he's fine, coach. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You got to make it true or false. (laughs) Yeah. He's clearly messed up. It's a successful victory for the Coyotes, Lance Stars, as usual. And then after the game, there's more painkillers, this time provided in the form of pills by Tweeter. Yeah, and gives him just a full bottle saying, yeah, don't worry about it, I got more. And then they're boozing it up at a party afterwards, which is where we meet Darcy Sears, played by Allie Larder, Lance's girlfriend. Just an iconic role and performance. Certainly memorable. (laughs) She's a cheerleader who has hitched herself to Lance's rocket ship. And one of the things that we'll eventually learn, mostly through Mox, is that Darcy is actually smart and has her own potential. And it seems to be just a case of fear and a lack of self-esteem that's led her to this conclusion that she has to follow Lance to get out of town and is incapable of doing it herself. Yeah. Maybe it speaks to more of the misogynistic attitudes prevalent in West Canaan. Definitely. She believes that a woman can't do things on her own. Look, everything's about football, man. This is probably something we discussed the first time around, but we might as well do it again. I'm not 100% clear like what her plan is exactly. Is she also going to Florida State? That's the way I've understood it. Yes, that's what I've been so interpreting. So she's afraid she can't go by herself? Is that what it is? Like she's afraid to leave town on her own? Because I don't know. Otherwise, is she just going to Florida and hoping Lance is going to marry her and she's not going to go to college? I don't really know what she's thinking. That does seem like that plan could have some potential holes in it. But yeah, I I don't know. Because if she's able to get into Florida State on her own and her parents have the money to send her there, yeah, I'm not sure what the problem is. She can just do whatever she wants to do. They don't really get into a lot of this stuff, so... Hard Which I guess say. is where Mox's eventual pep talk will come in. Yeah, yeah. This was Allie Larder's debut role, and nothing yeah. pleases me more that she's best friends with Amy Smart to this day. Yeah, that is great. I guess we'll get to it when we get to it, but the idea that this was her plan, what happens to Lance happens to him, and then she's like trying to hitch on the Mox wagon, but what is even going on with him? His plan is the same as it was before, which is just go to Brown. It's not like all of a sudden there's a new football scholarship in the mix because he plays four games. <laughs> I know? guess she's thinking that she's going to go to Brown. All right. I don't know. I don't know what her plan <laughs> yeah. is. It doesn't really make sense. If they would have 
slightly altered what she says, you could have made it more about identity, sure, rather than her future. But they really hammer home her fear and her I thinking can, about the future. I can only get out of this town with a guy. That's the only way it's happening. It seems like that's what she's thinking, but it, it makes it more confusing to figure out what her plans are. Because, okay, Mox will tell us eventually that she pulls A's and gets good, good grades. So maybe she could it's get It's not the into, only thing she pulls. Maybe she could get into Brown also. Jules. Such a bitch. But you're most of the way... Well, I don't know. I guess I don't know how long high school football season is oh, in yeah. Texas. But you're halfway through your senior year. Darcy, you're going to have to apply to these schools. Seriously. If you're following a guy out of yeah. town to go to the same school. I don't school. think that halfway through football season of your senior year is the time to start being like, oh, I'm going to try to get into Brown too because this guy's going. I guess she's just not even factoring in yeah. the school part of it and is just thinking, I'm going to get the star of the town to marry me and take me out of here. Right. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah, it has to be. But right now, everything's still fine and on course, and they're celebrating at this house party, and Darcy's making a move on her boyfriend, and they go into the laundry room. She says, let the dryer do the work. These are the little things. Even this scene is something I remember being a big deal in high school. There's just those movies that sometimes people who aren't old enough to see R-rated movies yet see, and then everyone knows about them and talks about them, and... All of the things that seem sexual or whatever are amplified into these huge deals that everyone talks about. Bud Kilmer is pure evil and will become (laughs) more and more evil as the film goes along. Although I feel like there was room to take it further with him. And yet I do think that he's completely real and believable. For sure. And that's almost something that you have to accept as part of big-time athletics, whether it's college or high school. And I do think that because of certain scandals, some of this stuff is slowly being weeded out. But there's always going to be that win-at-all-costs mentality and then people accepting that because they want to win and they want to have their team win and follow a team that wins. And if it's college, like contribute money, be boosters to Uh teams that win. You definitely believe the culture of this movie, even though it's goofy and heightened. You totally buy this Texas high school football environment. But the Kilmer of it all is one thing, and the dads and the rest of the townspeople is another thing. And it it seems like to me that that's more sad and more grim because when you're somebody like Mox or Jules and you don't buy into this and you just want to get through it the fact that it's in your own household and it's all around you everywhere you look and you can't really get out of it or escape it or take a break from it is the harder thing to deal with in other words there's always going to be a kilmer up on the hill oh yeah that's just part of it and you can either ignore it or not and it seems like if it was just kilmer that it could be ignored but it's Mox's dad, it's Lance's dad, it's all the dads watching the practices and talking about it and how it seems to be peppered into every conversation Uh and every decision and everything. Oh, yeah. Listen, there's nothing worse than proud parents at any sort of high school sporting event. Yeah, there is. It's at practice for the sporting (laughs) events. Yeah. (laughs) 
the way to ride him. All right. First string offense, take water. Give me a huddle. Give me a huddle. Dummy O's. Dummy O's. Follow your dummy O QB to the Mudford scrimmage. Think about it now. Moxon, pick it up. Your attitude's earning you left right now, boy. Keep smiling, shithead. <laughs> Used to hammer my ass the exact same way 27 years ago. Hell, it's good for them. Shit, them boys is having the time of their lives. <laughs> no doubt about it. Oop-de-oop, left on one. Ready, break! Let's go, Big Mox! Shift! What the hell kind of offense is that? Kimmer gonna eat his ass. Watch this. See? Jesus name, Moxie, what are you doing? What kind of Lulu formation you pulling? It's a secret. Oh, it's a secret. Your dummy O's can't even run a simple draw. And you got secret formations? Shit, for brains, this ain't no fucking saying loud. It's called the oop to you. Oh, it's the oop you. Oop you. Mississippi Valley State's averaging over 40 points a game with this offense. Overload the defense on the strong side, burn them one on one or the other. You got a bad attitude and you don't listen. We do things around here my way. You understand that? You think you're in some fancy school? Bullshit. You show me the kind of smarts, makes me wonder if you know the difference between a sneeze and a wet fart. You're gonna be second string all your life, boy. Man, Kilmer loves to bag on your boy, Sammy. Been on him all season. Oopty oop, give me a break. Oopty fucking oop, give me a break. I stood up to it. So will he. Mox is butting heads with Kilmer, but it doesn't seem to matter right now because he's the backup quarterback. I didn't I, really understand their practice. Is the second quarterback calling plays? Why is know, he calling but, the play in the huddle and then everyone's yeah. surprised by what he's doing? What would be the well, point he, of that? Yeah, it seems like he had to just work it out with those other dudes, and I guess he's like, hey, we're going to try this even though it's not the play that we're supposed to run. I'm sure that there was some play that they're supposed to run as part of preparing for the next school that they're playing. And then he's like, <laughs> working with these guys after practice on the oop-de-oop offense? Yeah, because they all seem to know this right. weird formation that Kilmer doesn't want them to know or use. So I don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> but even beyond that, just the fact that he's the one calling the play in the huddle, there's yeah. no shot of Kilmer doing it. No one else is doing it at practice. Now, obviously, later on in game situations, there will be him, Mox, deliberately picking other plays and not right. obeying whatever Kilmer's calling. But you don't see that in this practice. It's just Mox huddles up and calls a play. And even if he called a usable play, right. I'm still not sure why the backup quarterback is calling a play in practice. It doesn't even make sense. Your dummios can't even run a simple draw play. Now you got special formations? <laughs> this leads into the family picnic with Mox's family and Lance's oh, yeah. family. It's an endless sense of competition and rivalry, much stronger among their fathers than it is between Mox and Lance, who seem pretty chill and cool about everything. Sure. That's the thing. Mox is very comfortable with his position, which is actually one of the more interesting turns in the movie when he actually starts to enjoy this yeah but at this time you don't really get any indication that he's like yeah i really want to challenge lance for this it, it seems like he's good with where he's at yeah that's something that we'll we'll get into more whenever i bring up my shakespearean comparisons which i know i did the first time around <laughs> but it's impossible not to 
when you start viewing the characters in a different way. But yeah, I don't think Mox at this point in time has any football related ambition. And even by the end of the film, he sort of returns to that mindset. Yeah, absolutely. He thinks of football as temporary. Right. It's fun, but it's not any part of my future. Yeah, yeah. Which is completely antithetical to how his dad thinks and how... Everyone in town. Everyone else thinks he should think. If you're on the team, you should be striving to go all the way to the NFL, I guess. I don't know. That should just be your mindset is football is life until you are forced to stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lance's younger brother is played by Jesse Plemons. I know. In a weird, very brief appearance. Totally. I think he's only in this one scene, really. Yeah, that's all I remember him. He's actually being held back a grade by his dad so that he'll be bigger for freshman football. <laughs> <laughs> That's the type of stuff, though, that you do 100% buy is part of this world. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that regardless of how cartoonish these people are and how weird and stupid some of the stuff they say is... I will say, Lance It's is, all real. Yeah, yeah. Lance's dad, especially cartoonish. <laughs> it's a pressure cooker for Mox, but it ultimately wouldn't mean anything Yeah, if Lance didn't get hurt. None of this would really matter. All of these... Yeah tensions and feelings and whatever perceived pressure there might be on Mox, none of it would actually matter because the season is almost over. It's his senior year and Lance is the starting quarterback. But then things, of course, take a turn. Well, there you go, Sammy boy. Let's see it, old man. Let's show him how it's done. Dad, come on, you're going to fall in the barbecue. Slant right on three. I'll talk back to your father. Come on, boy, hit it! (laughs) Well, I guess bad hands just runs in the family. What's that supposed to mean? It's just for grins. Don't get your panties in a bunch. If Kilmer weren't such a prick, my boy would be starting quarterback. Oh, is that a fact? And you think he's first string, huh? That's right. Woo! I smell a challenge. (laughs) How about you, Johnny? Do you think you're better than my boy? Well, hell, it ain't multiple choice. I think it's best we settle this matter once and for all. Y'all remember William Tell? Get up, Lance. Let's show them what it takes to start for Kilmer's Coyotes. Stop it, Dad. This isn't funny. Knock off his ear can. Show them what you made of. Come on, Lance. Nail the can. Nail it. <laughs> you up, Sammy boy. Dad, come on. This is stupid. Throw it. Ooh, sporting some two now. Be a winner. Throw the damn ball. Come on, Johnny. You can do it. Sit on the bench. Show us what you do best. He's chicken. Yeah, he is a chicken. <laughs> Throw that damn ball. Hey, you feel like chicken tonight? You can do it. I raised you to be a winner, so damn it, boy, win. Fire that fucking pig skin. Oh. Whoa, nice shot. Get some ice for him. Nice. Get him a beer. 
<laughs> oh, oh my god. god. Oh man. Y'all remember William Tell? <laughs> Another part that you just remember from the trailer too. Yes, a very iconic set of scenes. When he turns and throws this football at his dad. That week in school during sex ed, Billy Bob collapses. Obviously in some sort of horrible health condition at this point. Sweating, horrifically sweating through his shirt. (laughs) (laughs) So much water. It's a hilarious scene, and if you want to get the full scene, that clip will be at the end of the episode. We're not going to stick it in here, no pun intended, because it was Miss Davis's (laughs) sex ed class. Could you imagine having a teacher like Miss Davis and then finding out she's a stripper? (laughs) That is a dream. (laughs) It's definitely a male fantasy. The important element here is Billy Bob is really having a tough time dealing with this concussion, and it seems to be that he's not getting any treatment, that he's just living his life having all these head injuries. (laughs) And then he's sitting in the nurse's office, and Kilmer comes in, and he's like, what seems to be the problem, Billy Bob? I'm having trouble holding down any chow, sir. Must be nerves. (laughs) Well, don't you worry. You'll be playing every snap this Friday. (laughs) It's so over the top when we think about how head injuries and concussions are thought of and treated now, but... I think in 99, oh, this was dude. still probably subtly evil, Yeah, <laughs> where people weren't fully grasping how <laughs> right. evil it was. So Kilmer essentially overrules the nurse as far as Billy Bob playing, because the yeah. nurse says she doesn't think he should play. Oh, is that a fact? <laughs> <laughs> well, Billy Bob got a second opinion, which was Kilmer's, which is, you're playing. Kilmer's win-at-all-costs philosophy finally takes its toll when Lance injures his knee further beyond what the painkillers can mask during the next game. I think this is the most cinematic part of the entire movie, this injury, and the way like the camera pans down to Kilmer, and you get the shot of Mox, and everybody in the the crowd is stunned silent. Lance is decimated by blitzing defenders because Billy Bob collapses again due to his concussion. Lance's dad says, Lord, don't do this to me. To me. (laughs) Darcy, full-on ugly crying on the sidelines. Announcers, just no chill. The announcers talking about Lance's future going down the track. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Not even sugarcoating it a little bit. I know it was a little bit different, and there were more injuries that were really career-threatening, but this guy hasn't even been taken to the hospital yet, and everybody's like, scholarship canceled. He's dead. College Shoot him like a horse. <laughs> Literally, there's somebody from Florida State there, like, ripping up his letter of intent. <laughs> That's ours to win now. Ours to win. Get out there and win this ball game. All right. One out of five. It's cool. Get out there. Come on, lads. Let's go. Let's go. Billy Bob, I need you for one more series. Toss, get in there. Get in there. Great D. Are sure you all right to play? Come on, hot. Say something. Boxy, get your ass back on that bench. Let's go, boys. Let's go. Ours to win now. Doors open. Let's go.
Lord, don't do this to me. Stubb, I'll tell you, I've hardly ever heard this stadium this quiet. Lance Harbor laying there on the field, and you see his future going down the drain, committed to Florida State. And now what must this do to the Coyotes' football plans? Please be okay, Lance. Oh, guys, Paul Walker apparently broke his leg while filming this movie. I don't really think it was in this scene. I doubt it had anything to do with football, but it's a weird little coincidence. Oh, wow. Yeah. But let's talk about the play itself. False start? I think so, should yeah. Should this have been whistled dead? I think so, yeah. This was a miss. Kilmer should have been in those ref's ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's a false start on us, but yeah, yeah how could you have not blown it dead? <laughs> Billy Bob collapses before the ball is hiked. It does seem like a false start should have been called, although it is fast. It's not so obvious. Yeah, to be fair. It's like right before the play starts, but still. It was a miss. I think the refs should have seen this giant 300-pound guy just falling and being blowing it dead immediately. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, he's having a heart attack or something. Listen, it's not exactly ACC refs. This is local high school football. Mox comes into the game and heroically leads the Coyotes down the field for the game-winning touchdown. But a misunderstanding of a play call from the sidelines infuriates Kilmer and furthers the divide between them. At the hospital, the doctors, appalled at the massive amount of scar tissue found under Lance's knee, explain that the recovery will take at least a year and a half, costing Lance his football scholarship to Florida State. When the doctor's talking, there's like a knowing look between mox and kilmer who are yeah, both yeah. there <laughs> because mox has already watched kilmer instruct the trainer to shoot that's right lance full of painkillers and then when the doctor says this kilmer says never complain never heard <laughs> anything about it first time hearing of it by the way great kilmer slime ball moment at the game when mox is first going in and he's like and don't worry son I'm behind you. <laughs> like, after just being a prick to him nonstop. Darcy, who's also there at the hospital, wastes no time. When Mox leaves, she chases after him, basically. She's almost, like, not even hiding I know. in front of anyone. It's actually, her whole thing is, like, a continuous beatdown on Lance from here on out. <laughs> so Mox is driving Darcy to the weekly post-game party, and she starts changing in the car. Uh-huh. And By the way, no pressure to sit this one out, Dars. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe take a little break from this week's party with your boyfriend in the hospital. It's clear that she's already completely written off Lance. Oh, yeah. It's not even remotely hidden at this point. And she says to Mox, <laughs> things change, Mox. <laughs> yeah, and then later, I don't love Lance. <laughs> Just disgusted. This devolves into Tweeter's Wild Night, where he steals a police car and 
takes off his clothes and has three sophomore girls also naked in the car. Something, again, that I don't think that they would include in a movie now. They'd probably not mention that they were right. sophomores yeah. because it implies that they're so young. Instead of partying with Darcy or engaging in illegal activities with Tweeter, Mox is contemplative. He gets those beers that I was referencing earlier. He goes to see Jules, his girlfriend, who to this point has not factored into the narrative much yet, which is what I wrote as I was doing the notes, and then I realized later she never really does. (laughs) (laughs) Although she does give him a lot of shit. In 75% of her screen time, she's giving Mox a hard time. I kind of get it, though. I I get what her character is doing, because in her mind, she was dating someone who thought exactly like she thought. They had this special connection that made them different from everyone else in town. Sure, he's the backup quarterback, but he doesn't play, and he doesn't treat football like it's so important, like everyone else. He's not like my dad, and he's not like my brother. They have this inside joke between them, basically. It's them versus everyone else. Things change. It is a weird scene, though, when he goes over and he throws the rocks at the window and she talks to him. They both talk to each other as if they hadn't just seen each other at the hospital. Right. It's so bizarre. I'm wondering if they added scenes at different points. And I don't know. If you pay attention to what they're saying, there's nothing absurd or nothing that completely contradicts anything. But the way they act and talk to each other, it's as if they haven't seen each other at all. But they were both in the hospital hallway. Mox already knows that Lance came out of surgery, which is something she tells him when he comes to the window. He's like, he's like, yeah, I know. I was there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. There's definitely an awkwardness to this scene. I don't know what happened exactly. Jules seems slightly more aware of the coming changes in Mox's life than he is. She kind of sees the writing on the wall, probably right. because she lives with it. Yeah, yeah. She knows what... Lance's life was like as the town hero and she's like oh shit this is gonna happen to my boyfriend now yeah yeah everything's over and he's such an idiot he doesn't see that it's gonna happen yeah (laughs) the next morning in the aftermath of tweeter's big night it's clear that the police are powerless in coach kilmer's town because they're basically just complaining at how out of control the football team is and kilmer overhears right and he just comes up to them and he's like are my boys too much trouble for you and they immediately back down no no yeah <laughs> we're good <laughs> sorry sorry Kilmer there's a big caravan out of the town to the away games and as they leave town there's a billboard that says good luck coyotes last one out of town turn out the lights okay so after Mox goes to see Jules and then that brief scene at the bar or the restaurant or wherever they are where Kilmer intimidates the police i guess you could say Uh it immediately jumps right into the next game yeah yeah no scenes at school or practice in the week between games when mox is now the starting quarterback i feel like that's kind of weird it seems like a lot would be happening during that week they completely gloss over any potential weirdness at practice between kilmer and mox how mox is treated at school And they're just right into the next game. Yeah, yeah. I know. It does seem like this movie is missing stuff sometimes because it's working at such a fast pace to try to cram in all this stuff. It has certain scenes that it's always just trying to get to, (laughs) you know? It has a mission. Yeah. And it needs to get there. They completely destroy this other team on the road. It's a total whirlwind 
for Mox. His dad sets up the big billboard in his yard now, just like the one we saw earlier for Lance. There are newspaper pictures and headlines, interviews on the radio. He is now the starting quarterback and captain for the best show in town, and they're winning, too. A quick criticism of Kilmer's strategy as a coach. Not a lot of depth at quarterback. Yeah. We find out later Tweeter is the third option who is their best skill player. Well, it doesn't seem like their high school is that big. Yeah. Because later on they reference Gilroy moving down from quad A. Okay. So they're like a yeah triple A team, which isn't like the biggest. You're used to high school football programs having like five quarterbacks on the roster. I wouldn't know. Mox isn't happy Lance got hurt, but he's allowing himself to enjoy the moment, even if he's still butting heads with Kilmer and, yeah, maybe Jules is a little wary. Let's talk about it, the Shakespeare of it all. You have Kilmer, who's the king. Yeah. And you have two princes, Lance, the favored son. Right. And Mox, the not favored son. And Lance is killed, essentially. Right. Not really, but... He's taken out. Sure. And so now you have this power dynamic between the not-favored son, the not-favored prince, and the king, who is evil and old. And this town, West Canaan, is the kingdom, in a sense. And it's sort of a battle for the heart of the town, because who's really running the show, the players or the coach? What goes on behind closed doors that the rest of the kingdom doesn't know about? Those kind of a thing. And then you have... Jules and Darcy in the mix, and they all sort of chime in with different things happening. And this ties back in with what you were saying before, which is that Mox has these ambitions, but they're not football-related, but then things change. Yeah, yeah. And that's sort of the interesting character development and evolution of his character is now that he's thrust into the spotlight and he becomes the favored prince because there's no other option. The other prince is gone. Now he's like, well, this isn't that bad. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe I was underestimating how good it could be. It's not bad being beloved. Which, of course, causes problems with Jules. But it doesn't solve the issue with Kilmer. Kilmer is so bad and corrupt that (laughs) he doesn't fall in line the same way that maybe Lance would. Yeah. Lance would be willing to just go with the program and to get shots in his knee to keep playing and not question that. Yeah. But to be fair, Lance's whole perspective is just different. It's not like he was like a Kilmer follower. Kilmer's just sort of part of his path to get where he wants to be. Yeah, that's true. I'm not giving Lance shit. Yeah, yeah. Because everyone from Twitter and eventually Billy Bob, everyone sort of gets on the same page with fuck Kilmer. Yeah, right. And no one really seems to like him. I I always think one of the funniest parts of this movie, though, is imagining... The players outside of those five, Uh the Nucleus, Mox's friends, because we never really hear from them. Right. There's a lot of other players on the team. I'm sure that when shit really hits the fan, they're probably not even aware of what's going on. They're like, what the fuck is happening? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Our coach is leaving. Our coach is choking our quarterback and then leaves. (laughs) They're like, I thought we were moments away from maybe winning another division title. Now what the fuck is happening? I thought we were just yelling, go pack. Oh, boy. So let's get into it. Darcy has no immediate plans of slowing down. She had previously hitched her wagon to Lance, and now she's scared Lance is going nowhere. She's employing a full-court press on Mox now, 
since he's the town star with plans of leaving West Canaan behind. Darcy invites Mox over to her house with the promise that she'll be home alone. After much internal struggle and debate, Mox buys condoms and heads over. Yeah. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> it's hard. Okay. Give up on you. Am I too late? Come in. Glad you came. Kind of weird to have you in my house, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing something illegal. Well, not yet. Oh, look at me, I'm a mess. No one ever sees me like this. I think this is the best I've ever seen you look. You're sweet, Mox, but you know you are. Nice house. about to make an ice cream sundae. You want one? Mm. Yeah, have one. I'll make it. All right. Do you want whipped cream? Sure. Okay. is not i'm really sorry all right what look you're in high school <laughs> yeah, if yeah. You're, this is the time to go for it you're not going to get a lot of these opportunities in life sure you're kind of dating jules but <laughs> kind of <laughs> well even yeah. jules says later we had a thing and it was great now things change right right it's like all right well if that's your attitude yeah really <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to dive into this ice cream sundae <laughs> I just think that these are the things that you think you shouldn't do because you're honorable and a good guy. And then later in life, you're regretting not yeah, going for it. <laughs> How many times is there a Darcy in your life? At that point, you just don't think it's going to be the last Darcy. But I'm here to tell you, it is. <laughs> for some of us, there never yeah. was. Darcy's patented seduction move is to give herself a whipped cream bikini over her otherwise naked body i like that she's asking mox if he wants an ice cream sundae and he's like <laughs> he's like actually i'm lactose intolerant i can't have any ice cream she's like no no, no i really think you should and then she's like going into the other room to make and he's like yelling into the kitchen no no, no i'll shit my pants if i eat ice cream i really don't think i should have it <laughs> she's like no, no no you're not getting it i think you should have it <laughs> There is some 
questions about the logistics, the speed in which she's able to do this. I know. And really flawless, too. She's wearing clothes when she answers the door, and then... Which it seems like there's an implication that this she's almost changed into almost like pajama type wear, thinking that he was no longer coming over. A little there's bit, There's a yeah. lot of talk about, what am I too late? It seems like he really was pushing this. And these parents could come back from the gun club at any time. The gun club? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the speed in which he's able to apply the whipped cream and then the neatness of it, it's all very perfect. In real life, it was actually shaving cream because they couldn't get whipped cream to stick the right way. I understand, yeah. And yeah, as I wrote in my notes, I'm going for it a thousand percent confirmed. I would just do it. (laughs) Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? (laughs) I probably would have been too scared to go over there. Yeah. I probably would have just drove out of town (laughs) and never come back. (laughs) Mox and Darcy start to kiss, but Mox puts a stop to it almost immediately. This is where Darcy breaks down and confesses that it was never about love with Lance, but escaping to a better life. Maybe Lance knew. Maybe it was just a deal. Maybe he didn't care. I get to fuck the hottest girl in West Canaan, and she's coming with me to what I do next, and (laughs) so what? Yeah. I don't know. This is a business decision for everyone involved. (laughs) It's sort of sad and tragic. I think that the movie does actually a fairly decent job for the time period in not portraying Darcy as some evil slut that we're supposed to hate. No, no. It makes her seem tragic and sad as if she has such low self-esteem that even though she gets good grades and could go to college and it seems like her parents have money, yeah, she doesn't think that she can do it and, right. it, and then Mox has to give her this pep talk. Well, I think it's a self-esteem thing, but also she's a victim of the culture of this town. Yeah. Unless you're a star football player, you're persona non grata. You do not matter. <laughs> There is some absurdity of the whipped cream bikini during the unsexy part of this scene when yeah. she's crying and he's putting like a sweater. I know her shoulder it does seem like mess. A mess is about to happen, and you can't forget the cherry nipples. A super classy touch to the whipped cream Sunday. <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy. The fact that this is all held together. I mean, yeah, you would think some melting would be happening quickly. <laughs> Cherries sliding and then falling off. Yeah. But it looks great. In fact, there is a part where they're kissing, and you can see the cream go onto Mox's shirt, and then when it cuts to another part, there's nothing on his shirt. Right. Because it was probably just getting everywhere. Sure. (laughs) Anytime you introduce food products to the lovemaking game, it's never as sexy as you think it's going to be. It sounds better than it is. Yeah, it's always a disgusting mess, really. (laughs) Wendell has to clue mocks in to another despicable element of Kilmer's character, which is that he's also a racist. Wendell is the workhorse who runs the ball, averages 133 yards a game, but he only has three touchdowns to show for it, and those are plays that he broke for over 20 yards. Uh Kilmer never calls plays for Wendell when they're in the red zone. Mox seems completely blown away by this. (laughs) It's actually a very funny scene because he's like, yeah, fuck Kilmer. Yeah, I know. And Wendell's like, no, actually, you don't know. <laughs> and he, yeah. he mocks his face. is like, oh, yeah, I guess I don't know. <laughs> and then well, it, it's also weird because when they wrap up their conversation, Wendell's, 
gesturing, like nodding, like, hey, somebody's yeah. waiting to talk to you. And he turns around and it's fucking Darcy. Yeah. It's like, what does Wendell think they're going to talk about? Hey, let me let you get to that. Yeah. Everyone in school, except for Jules, I guess, is aware of the fact that... Well, it's just one of those things. Darcy's it's, just moving on. Yeah, as soon as Lance has this injury, everyone is just in agreement that a couple things are happening. We're getting a new quarterback. We'll see what happens. But Darcy is immediately going to go to whatever the next hot ticket <laughs> She's is. She's just presented yeah. to Mox as a trophy <laughs> when he becomes starting quarterback. Yeah. Darcy is super embarrassed, but Mox reassures her that it's fine. And then she thanks Mox with a kiss. And there's really no way to interpret this other than it's a little much. It's a little over the top. It's on the lips. Definitely. And, and it's not brief. Right. It's multiple kisses, it seems. Mm, I don't no. know if it's multiple kisses. <laughs> I don't know. Put, put that Blu-ray in. smooching away. <laughs> I don't think it's multiple. It's just, it's that long. Yeah, yeah. It's just lingering. And of course, Jules witnesses. <laughs> standing in the hallway, stunned. <laughs> yeah. They almost don't make enough about the fact that it's semi-incestual, too. Mox is dating Lance's sister. Darcy's dating Lance. Yeah. There's probably been well, yeah, I did some think sort that of was group Whenever he's laying out the case after he puts the brakes on Darcy. Yeah. Well, there's Lance and there's Jules. It's like, yeah, they're brother and sister. That's kind of weird. Right. That we're both dating a brother and sister. <laughs> I pair. mean, you would just think that there were times when they're all hanging out at the house together, you know? Yeah. But. Well, they do reference a past where. Mox and Darcy have known each other their whole lives. Right. Which I would have just thought, though, was everyone in town. They do act like it's specific to those two, but... Yeah. Jules actually works at Top Notch Hamburgers, which is sort of a Texas landmark and also appears in Dazed and Confused. Yeah, and just uh, a cool place that I'd like to check out. And she already knows what Darcy's move is. <laughs> you mean you haven't seen Darcy's whipped cream bikini? Long Speechless. Pause. Yeah. <laughs> It was sort of like Schwartzman and yeah. Portman and Hotel Cheval. That was a long pause. No. <laughs> the least believable no. I know, but she buys it, I guess. But if you were Mox here, doesn't that sort of diminish what felt like was a somewhat magical moment for you? <laughs> oh, okay. No, I my, guess just my note this. is, God damn it, I should have just fucked Darcy <laughs> if this was going to be your attitude. Well, that's true. <laughs> See what I said? High school relationships are bullshit. Who cares? I know. <laughs> but when you're in it, you think it's the love of your life. This is my heel turn on the podcast yeah. where I'm just saying, you're just now do ju- it. <laughs> just fuck the girl that wants to fuck you. Give I, me a break. I think people <laughs> stunned that you think this is when you're just turning heel. <laughs> in order to blow off some steam and show Lance a good time, Mox organizes a night out for the boys at the Landing Strip, which is a strip club near town. Evidently, no IDs needed. These high schoolers, thanks to their status as football players, can and will be served alcohol wherever and whenever. I don't know. Can you go to a strip club when you're 18? I think you can. Uh, The ones they call like juice bars or whatever, they don't serve booze. Oh, yeah. Well, they serve booze here. Well, it doesn't seem like there's any limits to when you're a football player. You can do whatever you want in this town. The big shock here is that their teacher, Miss Davis, works there as a dancer, and it's a pretty fun reveal where they're whooping it up, a new stripper comes out dancing to Hot for Teacher, and then she's already topless and then turns and sees her students sitting right in front of her. Right. 
you know, not a great cover up for her double life when you come out basically announcing the fact that you're a teacher by using this song. <laughs> you do have to wonder how far away the landing strip is because the town seems so small. Yeah. That this would the get people out. coming to the club would know she's a teacher. Right. So I'm thinking they went out of town, but then again, why are they being treated like heroes? I know. Football players. There's a little bit of a confusion here. I think so. You would think even if not students. Now, I want to make something clear. Please. I have zero problem if a, somebody working as a teacher needs to make extra money as a stripper. I would or say. even yeah. as an OnlyFans, which I, is now the modern thing. Totally support it. But. Obviously, there are still a lot of people in this country who don't feel the same, especially in a conservative area like Texas in a small town. So we're speaking from that perspective of this would be a controversy in this town for sure. Sure. Not that we would have a problem. Well, I'm not even. Yeah. But even even if you don't have a problem with it, it's certainly probably going to cause a scandal. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, because as soon as the students are old enough, they're all going to be running over there. <laughs> <laughs> a scandal and also quite a bit of a profit for <laughs> our teacher here. She ends up drinking with the boys, and they stay at the club all the way until the sun comes up. But one thing which was established is that Mox is the only one who visited Lance in the hospital, so they have sort of a good relationship. At what point do you think that you should tell your friend, though, that... Dude, Darcy's got to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe... never really actually made clear whether or not they've broken up. I kind of got the feeling Darcy wasn't going to see yeah, yeah. Lance in the yeah. hospital. I think Lance may be getting it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, finally, there seems to be a little camaraderie amongst the guys. Fuck Kilmer. That's sort of developing. Although... It won't really fully come to a head until after this next game because when they walk out of the strip club, it's the morning of another game day. Yeah. And it cuts to a montage of the Coyotes getting their asses kicked that night trying to play while hungover. I don't know. Probably not Mox's best decision. I know that he doesn't really like buy into this football stuff that much. The other guys, too. Maybe this is just like, okay, we're dumb high schoolers, but it does seem like these guys want to win. And it's their level of commitment is always sort of unclear up for debate. Yeah. Wendell wants them. to get recruited. And to be fair, they actually work in something where he's trying to sort of be like, no, I'm not drinking or whatever. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I think other than Wendell, there's really not much now as far as post right. high school ambition. Yeah. Although you would think Billy Bob, maybe. I know. But I don't know. The hard work of so many sacrificed. By the disrespect of a few. Moxon. You sacrifice the honor of this football team and the town that supports it. Shit, you poison my team, son. Hope last night was fun. Hope it was fun. Was it fun? Was it fun? You think you don't have to listen to me? Your daddy was a no-talent pussy, but at least he listened.
Oh, little Billy Bob cried, baby. You cost me my perfect season. How's it feel? Huh? Cry me a river, you fat fucking baby. You disgust me. My star quarterback is dragging his leg around because of you. And on top of that, I got to sit and watch you cry about it. No, you know what? Get the fuck out of here. I don't want to see your fat face. Get out. Get the fuck out of here. Get out of here. Post game, Kilmer goes ballistic. Blames Mox entirely. Your daddy was a no-talent pussy, but at least he listened. <laughs> Imagine One of my favorite parts, just ye- dad buried. Yelling that in front of everyone. I know. Billy Bob sitting at his stall crying. Oof. Yeah. Not great. Kilmer literally throws Billy Bob out of the locker room, which just seems next-level cruel at this point. I know. Because Billy Bob's already carrying around so much guilt about what happened to Lance, he blames himself. And then to have his coach, who we will find out shortly, Billy Bob feels is a father figure, yelling that at him. It's really a dark moment. Definitely. Now it's time for a scene I would say is almost as iconic as the whipped cream bikini, which is Mox's dad confronting him about the all-night drinking party and then saying that you're blowing this big opportunity for Uh you. No, no. Playing football at West Canaan may have been the biggest opportunity for you, but I don't want your life. It kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Because it's so famous, you're thinking that it's going to be this big scene, and it's very quick. It cuts from the aftermath of the game, and then all of a sudden, his dad's just riding his shit for about 20 seconds, and then he just, you know what? Here's something I've got in the chamber. I'm going to yell in your face. Also part of the Brown acceptance thing, or is that a different scene? No, that's a different okay. scene. I wish you would watch the movies before we talk about them. Well, it's a... <laughs> so he also gets into a heated debate with his dad in that scene. That's where he's like, we gotta... What do you, what's going... What do you think What? What do you think about Gilroy? <laughs> yeah. He's like not even paying attention I know. when he gets accepted to school. The cadence of the I don't want your life line. People are saying you organize an all-night drinking party. That's why you boys dragged ass out there. Save it, Dad. Save it? Save what? You got the opportunity of a lifetime. You Playing football like a at West Canaan is not the opportunity of a lifetime. Your attitude's wrong. Your tone of voice is wrong. This is your opportunity For here. you. Playing football at West Canaan may have been the opportunity of your lifetime. But I don't want your life. Mox's dad, it's rough. His hair. I know. Yeah. Listen, I get it. There's like a big U-shaped and then like (laughs) clinging to something there in the middle. Yeah, it's tough. And then he's kind of always cross-eyed. That's true. That's something that was really hitting me on this watch. Which I'm sure the actor is bringing to it to make him seem even dumber. It is definitely a, a caricature of a person. Yeah, yeah. Much like Lance's father as well. But yeah. He's Life is hard. Certainly a guy. <laughs> He's one of the guys yeah. in the world. <laughs> I don't really know what else to say about him. I'd love to know what his job is. At various points, know. he's wearing like a tie. This is just a sad existence to me. Not that I'm super unfamiliar with a sad existence, but this just seems like every day is the same, except for <laughs> Friday night. 
Living for those Friday oh, nights. Oh, and the Friday night, the big thing is high school football. And then, of course, he's going to force his youngest son also to follow in these footsteps. He's going to try. Well, I don't know if you have much choice yeah. at a certain point. But everything's broken up with the... Arrival of bacon, right? Yeah. Billy Bob's pig is dropped off all of a sudden. Mox's brother says, Billy Bob dropped him off. He said, you'd know how to take care of him. And Mox puts it together pretty quickly what that might mean and goes running out and tracks Billy Bob down at the football field. And there's a pretty poignant scene here. He's taken all of this to heart in a way that, frankly, Mox can't relate to. Yeah. Mox is like, who gives a shit about Bud Kilmer's 23rd division right. title? I do. I care. I I do like these awards that he had. I mean, I like that there was a physical trophy for like a kid most improved offensive lineman at camp or whatever. <laughs> at lineman yeah, camp. Yeah. It was like specifically I... a lineman camp. <laughs> He's really got a lot of guilt over Lance and then now Kilmer has seemingly turned on him for what happened and... It's actually a weird presentation because they pretty much tease a suicide here. For sure. Because when Mox first pulls up, you can't really see what's happening on the field and you just hear a gunshot. And you're like, what the fuck? Right, right. (laughs) But yeah, he's using the shotgun to shoot his football trophies. And then Mox gives him a pep talk and talks him back into it. And he really doesn't say anything that illuminating or that... No. Profound. He's just like, who's going to protect my ass? We need you. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Then they spend a few too many lines talking about his ass. Yeah, and then it ends with Mox taking the gun and shooting a picture of Kilmer, which Billy Bob all of a sudden reacts to as if it's great, even though moments ago he was talking about... He was bawling because this guy is not, not his favorite anymore. Yeah, it was pretty easy to turn Billy Bob around. Yeah. This seems like it would launch a police investigation, though, like somebody... Like, Not in this town. Defacing this fucking Kilmer thing, though? <laughs> These cops would be up day and night trying to solve that. Mox gets accepted to Brown with a full financial scholarship, but his father and the local yokels are more concerned with the upcoming game against the powerhouse <laughs> Gilroy, Yeah, the final contest of the season. Well, I guess... At the district title's on the line. Yeah, they'd yeah. go on to state after this, but... Yeah, I was saying to you earlier, one of the more depressing moments, but also underrated in its hilarity, is the local cop and then that other guy, Chet, who's uh-huh. always watching practice, showing up at the Moxon's house right, just to have a chat with Mox's dad to make sure that Mox is going to be following the, the play calls, and that's all we needed to hear, and yeah. he's like shaking hands. With, it's so weird. I know. And depressing. Yet so believable, too. In a scene that I feel like they just had to add. (laughs) They just had to add this scene. Billy Bob tells us that he got a CAT scan and is somehow cleared to play. I question these doctors. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you're also conflating the character from Not Another Teen. He really only got one concussion in this movie. And they don't reference him having, like, other ones, really. Yeah, but it does seem like he's dealing with some pretty significant downstream impacts from it. Yeah, you would think of all the micro-concussions on every play when he already has a concussion. (laughs) I know, but it's so intertwined, thinking of the character from Not Another Teen movie, (laughs) where he's having a concussion every five seconds. (laughs) 
Billy Bob then asks Miss Davis to prom. Seems as if the players have taken a vow not to speak of what happened, and she's grateful for that. I don't really trust that high school dudes would be able to keep this a secret. Oh, no. I would have been telling everyone immediately. (laughs) I know. The only thing cooler than it happening is being able to tell everyone that it did. (laughs) (laughs) This movie makes it hard for us to keep our sexism casual. (laughs) This movie is so absurd. Right. When Kilmer gets wind of Mox's scholarship, he threatens to alter Mox's transcripts to fuck up his deal unless he falls in line. (laughs) So now... Kilmer's Uh, not even masking it anymore. He's just full-blown evil villain. This final pregame confrontation, to me anyway, seems overblown. Mox runs crying to Jules about it, and so they finally reconcile after so much of the movie has passed, and Jules has completely disappeared. By the way, after Darcy and Mox have that awkward kiss in the hall that Jules oversees, we don't even see Darcy again until... A very brief flash at the very end of the movie, but whatever. So now he finally goes to Jules crying about what happened with Kilmer. So they reconcile. Jules is sort of like me, where she's like, all right, well, then quit. Yeah. And he's like, I can't quit. All right, well, then play. Yeah. Well, I can't do that either. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yes, Kilmer is absurd, obviously, and way out of line. But Mox's need to push back on the play calls is also kind of bizarre, And Jules rightfully calls him out as a whiner. Well, yeah. Okay, so I get that they needed to give the audience a further reason to question the play call. So they're like, okay, well, Kilmer's a racist and doesn't let Wendell score touchdowns. Yeah. But from the perspective of how Mox is acting, you never get the sense that that's why he's upset about the play calls, which is all that seems to be going on right now it's just because of the whole like way that the pace of this movie they throw little things at you but then you just kind of keep going so at this point when you really sit and examine what the fuck is going on it's hard to really know why mox is pushing so hard to call different plays it seems mostly just this endless need to push back against kilmer which okay if you want to say have they established kilmer enough to the point where that's believable yeah Obviously, Mox knows about what happened with Lance and the painkiller shots, and he knows about how he treats Billy Bob, and he knows about not letting Wendell score touchdowns. So there's more than enough evidence to say, fuck Kilmer. But when you start to make it about wanting to run different formations in the offense, you're like, what is the problem here? Right. And the guy has won like 30 district titles. And if you want to say that you believe that it's possible that Kilmer could actually somehow fuck up his ride to Brown, then what the fuck are we even talking about? I know. Just hand the ball off. Really? We're a running football team. But, of course, something happens during the game, which will bring everything to a head. Yeah. At last, we head into the district title game with the hopes and dreams of all of West Canaan on the shoulders of the Coyotes. Always a weird but kind of commonly used sports movie thing to have the big game not really be like what would be the biggest possible game or the last game. The district title game is big, but they allude to many times that they're going to go on to like states after this. Yeah, which is never mentioned. Right. You never really know what happens. Is Lance coaching the rest of the way from here on? The municipalities, the school boards or whatever, are all allowing like a student to be the coach. The first offensive drive sees the Coyotes relying heavily on Wendell to run the ball, which is the norm and the game plan Kilmer wants. 
but when it's time to punch it into the end zone, Kilmer calls a play for someone else, infuriating Wendell, mocks audibles, and Wendell gets the TD, irritating Kilmer on the sidelines. Although, you would think that Kilmer's desire to win would outweigh whatever his racism is, and even though he's pissed at Mox for changing the plays, yeah, as long as they keep winning, then what difference does it make? But it ends up not being about that anyway, because before halftime, Wendell is injured and comes out of the game, and so if you're astute, you can already kind of see the writing on the wall. Kilmer's prepping the trainer for what he's going to want him (laughs) to do. Make sure he understands. Kilmer's angle that they kind of do it well though because after they score he just kind of defeatedly is like keep it up asshole I'm not gonna flip out about this one but you're playing with fire yeah if it goes wrong I'm gonna jump all over you if it ends up being six points for Gilroy Gilroy takes a 14 to 7 lead into the locker room at half and because Wendell is injured I guess Kilmer has Mox kneel on the ball with like a minute and a half left rather than try anything to get more points. I actually don't think this is that bad of a move. <laughs> yeah, in high school football, it it's, seems risky to let him just start flinging the ball Exactly. Around. It's hard to go the length of the field in high school football in under a minute. Although it does seem like Mox has a cannon. That's true. His first play when he comes in after Lance gets hurt is like a 40-yard bomb to and, Tweeter. Yeah, Tweeter is like always open. He's sort of like those receivers that the Patriots would always have, like a Julian oh, Edelman yeah. type. <laughs> That's Tweeter. Yeah. <laughs> in the West Canaan locker room, Kilmer and the trainer are trying to convince Wendell to shoot up with cortisone to deaden the pain in his knee, which would allow him to continue playing in the game, but at the risk of more serious or permanent injury. Desperate to be recruited by a good college, Wendell almost consents, but mocks Tweeter and Lance intervene. Probably the highlight of this confrontation is Billy Bob threatening to rip Kilmer's arms off and beat him to death with them. Wild, yeah. (laughs) So basically what happens is anytime they're about to do this shady activity, they're always leaving the trainer's door open so everyone can see. Mox threatens to quit, and Kilmer's like, good, finally, and orders Tweeter to start taking the snaps, but then Tweeter refuses... Mox tells Kilmer that the team will only return to the field without him. He is speaking for a lot of people who haven't had a chance to voice their opinion. That's exactly what I was (laughs) referring to earlier. There's a whole part of this team that is not involved in this drama and probably doesn't know what's going on. (laughs) And they just want to win the game. Kilmer snaps and attacks Mox, trying to strangle him. But the other players intercede. And now with his credibility shot, Kilmer pathetically tries one last time to rally the team behind him, but none of the players follow him out of the locker room. Hey, Coach, I, I heard a pop. You know, I think he's hurt pretty bad. Hey, get out of here. Y'all wouldn't know anything about dedication, team play. But I would. Don't do it, Wendell. It's not worth it, man. You gonna listen to that from a gimp who's praying that we'll lose so he can be the missing link? Maybe I shouldn't do it. Get the hell out of here. Don't do it. Throw around, lose my temper. Get out. Don't do it, Wendell. Get out of here. That needle goes anywhere near Wendell's leg. I swear to God on my mother's grave, I will rip your arms off and beat you to death with them. You stay the hell out of this, Billy Bob. This has nothing to do with you. This has to do with all of us. We kill ourselves for you. You round. We play hurt, we play sick, and we spend most of that time scared that we're going to screw up and you're going to kick our ass because you don't really give a fuck about us. 
All you care about is your next district title. Give him the shot. You give him that shot, you find yourself another fucking quarterback. You about ready to lose that scholarship, boy? If he keeps that needle out of his leg, absolutely. Good. Fuck it, I'm out. Oh, that's good. That's good. Finally. Twitter, you take the snaps. No, I won't. No, I'm out, coach. What do you say? Set him out. I'm with them. Only way we're going back out in that field without you. All right, get your helmets on and take the field. Let's go, let's go. Let's go now. Let's go, goddammit. I'm, I'm walking out that door. Want y'all to trust me? Follow me out there. Well, let's go. Let's go. Kilmer continues down the hallway and then realizing no one's following, he turns away from the field and toward his office. Defeated. Yeah, we'll circle back to this in a minute, but I will point out right now that I think that based on what we know of Bud Kilmer, he would put up more of a fight. I thought so. Or do you think that he has some scrap of humanity and he finally realizes, like, what I just did is too far. I'm yeah. not coming back from this. Exactly. Now. Yeah. This would be a huge story. But it doesn't seem to fit in with how he acts, though. Well, it'd be a huge story if it got out. Right. But the way that he has sway over the police. I know. And seemingly the churches and the teachers and the townspeople, it they, seems as if he would just be able to do whatever he wanted. Conveniently. No other really adults around when this happens, even though it seems like there would be an entire coaching staff. Well, yeah, we're going to get to that in a second. Okay. (laughs) It's a big, big hole in this movie. (laughs) Just Kilmer. Back in the locker room, Mox rallies the troops to take the field. For me, this is not exactly like a D2 ducks fly together. I am using it as the opening because I think it's a funny moment in that this is the rallying. I think some of it's pretty good. Okay. We have the rest of our lives to be mediocre. <laughs> Just laying it on the line. Yeah. Most of you aren't going out to shit. You know those fucking losers, including my dad, who watch our practice? That's you all. That's you in a couple years. <laughs> this is actually the highlight of your life, right. this game. Yeah. It's never going to get better. I'm going to fucking Brown. Peace. Okay, so, yes. There are no other adults. No assistants, no coordinators, nobody. Except this trainer who seems to disappear after this confrontation. And listen, he doesn't want any of the news getting out about what he's been doing. Yeah, he's sneaking away. Yeah. <laughs> By rule, this actually is a forfeit. Uh-huh. You can't return to the field without coaching. Oh, they need to coach McKay. They can't just have one of the players start coaching in high school. That is not allowed. And furthermore, the nature of the town would come into play here, I think. Yeah. The nutcase men... In West Canaan, the ones who watch practice, the one who shows up to Mox's house, the ones who allow everything to happen, would freak out and get involved if they saw something like this going on. Yeah. And the way the movie cuts from when they retake the field to basically 
Gilroy kicking a field goal to make it 17 to seven with eight minutes left. And then that's the first time anyone's mentioning that Kilmer's <laughs> not out there. I'm looking up the sideline. I don't see Bud Kilmer. 8-18 left to go in the game. Still, no sign of Bud Kilmer on the sideline. It's like... Not much else to say about the that. The whole third <laughs> quarter passed. Nobody yeah. is saying anything, I guess. I'm sure they were, but just the, the fact that yeah. it cuts to that is weird. They should have come out in different uniforms, too. And Kilmer, at various points over the last part of the movie, is shown collecting things in his office, like packing up. I guess he's going to quit and leave. It seems like he's just giving up so easily. Yeah, which, to your point, it is hard to buy that because these guys, they become so power-hungry and do think that they're like bigger than everything that it does seem crazy that he would just be like, yeah, this is all over. Yeah, I think there's some more to, to touch on with that. We'll get to that at the end with circling back. Listen up, listen up. I need five wide receivers. We're running the oop-doop. No tight ends, no running backs. I want four receivers stacked left, Tweeter, you on the right. We're going to overload their left side, force them to cover Tweeter one-on-one. And no huddles. What? I'll call the place from the line. Defense will never know what hit them. All right, let's go. Come on, bring it. Let's go. Let's go. Three, one, two, three, KO! Completed that time to Twitter for 16, and they're going again. Don't know what you call this offense, but look at all those receivers. Gonzalez complete one more time, and they hurry up for the line of scrimmage. Look at all the receivers. While the Kyle celebrate, the question I've got to you, where in the world is Bud Kilmer? Did you hurt his feelings? Well, after the touchdown, I was looking down on the sideline, and he's nowhere to be found. Using a five-receiver offense in the second half, the Coyotes proceed to dramatically win the game and the district championship without Kilmer's guidance, thanks largely to Lance calling the plays from the sidelines and Billy Bob scoring the game-winning touchdown on a hook-and-ladder play. Hard not to get a little emotional. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's some questions here. Yeah. Mostly field position questions that never really make sense throughout the entire film, but... No even mention of the possibility of kicking a game-tying field goal here. Because at the end of the film, they're down 17-14. They get close to the end zone. They basically have time for one more play. Never even mentioned that they might kick a game-tying field goal. Yeah, I get that maybe they're just going to have balls. No Kilmer. Kids are calling plays. Let's just go for it. Well, also, I think most high school kicking games not very strong. That's true, but aren't they knocking on the door here? I know. I don't know. Go for the win. It's hard to tell where they are on the field yeah. most of the time that they're doing the football action. Right. Yeah, I think that I was bringing into it some of the knowledge of Ron Lester's real life and mixing that yeah. up with Billy Bob and the way that 
he carries his emotions throughout the game, but or, or out the movie. But yeah, I was kind of getting a little misty. Yeah, yeah. For the first time ever with this movie, by the way, it's not like it's something that I've ever experienced before. But I was really dialed yeah. in the first time I watched this for the podcast. Well, you and I were rewatching like the end of this movie just before or just when I came over, and you brought it up. I felt it when I was watching it. Infuriating that Tweeter just completely almost fucking blows this by a horrible pitching lateral. the ball seemingly ten yards in the air. Yeah, it should have ended with a Gilroy defender snagging that lateral and just strutting <laughs> down the field for a defensive touchdown. And then it's like the modern NFL where the entire play is like pretending like they're posing for a picture in the end zone. <laughs> yeah, and it just credits. <laughs> and then Kilmer walks onto the field and shoots mocks. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. In a voiceover epilogue, Mox recounts the fates of several central figures. Kilmer left town and never coached again, but his statue still remained. So let's talk about this. How does the town of West Canaan react to what just happened? Because I know. they gloss over that as if everyone's just going to accept what just happened. If, if the Mox story doesn't come out, if it does not come out that... Well, if I guess if both things don't come out, A, that he's injecting these kids with painkillers and it's really putting them at medical risk but also that he choked a teenager (laughs) one of his players if those things come out obviously i think this is over but nobody's saying this i guess the way that you could paint it is that it would play out how a lot of modern scandals play out now where you have the tipping point and the first thing that happens that causes people to come forward and then it seems like it's possible that people throughout time because yes there are some people like mox's dad and lance's dad who just have accepted this but i'm sure throughout history there's a lot of other people that are still pissed sure some stuff has happened throughout time they're not brainwashed like these other buffoons that are like those kids are having the time of their lives out there and then some reporter from a newspaper, probably from a bigger city, one nearby, Yeah, will get wind of this, and then they will do the investigative journalism work, and then there'll be a huge expose exposing the corruption and what's gone on behind the scenes. And that's the only way that it seems like it would make sense, because in the moment when they're celebrating this win, and then people who don't know what's going on are like, well, where, where did Coach Kilmer go? What the fuck's going on? There's an unspoken agreement between Kilmer and the players. I'm going to resign. I'm going away. And you guys aren't going to say anything. And we're all just moving on from this. <laughs> yeah, I don't That's think the so. way the movie is. That's what it seems like it is. No, I think that people would be talking. I think it's possible that by the end of the film, even though we don't see it, that maybe Lance has started to open up with his parents about what was going on because I don't think they knew that his knee was already injured. And Yeah. I would be fucking pissed. You could sue the school, probably. Totally. How much money well, is Lance missing out on because his career is fucked up No now? kidding. A full scholarship to Florida State? Just off the table? There's I mean, like a multi-multi-million dollar lawsuit at the end of this movie. Mox, I will say, and how much he's only concerned with his own situation even plays through at the end when he's talking about what happens to everyone to me it's just a complete gut punch that lance goes from whatever future he has at a minimum playing college football at a big program with a full scholarship that he's just going to be like a high school football coach (laughs) 
<laughs> what a fall from grace for Lance Harbor. Well, he could have flamed out in college. Yeah, that's true. He found what he was supposed to do. Tweeter drank beers and Billy Bob cried. I hate to admit I was a little choked up too. Lance becomes a successful coach. They don't really say it, but I guess the implication is maybe he's replacing Kilmer. That's the way it feels. Wendell received a football scholarship to Grambling State University, and Mox went on to Brown claiming to have never played football again, which I find bizarre because don't they have a state championship game or something coming up? (laughs) That's true. I was even. I I guess division playoffs. I don't know how. I guess there's like a million teams in Texas, so you probably have to go all year round to get to that. Right. I don't know how that works, but. Either way, there was supposed to be more games after this. Yeah, I was even just thinking about his future. I wasn't considering the fact that he didn't play for <laughs> they the rest of the season. They didn't even mention it. Well, I'm sure that they were just done because they didn't have a coach. That's possible, yeah. They might have just forfeited. Although you would think that the town would, no matter what happened I know. with Kilmer, the town would not accept that. Absolutely no mention of Darcy or Jules in the recounting of what happens to everyone, which I think is rough. Yeah, I know. They're treated like now, forgettable granted, nothings. Billy Bob and Tweeter aren't really given anything much. It's just right. what they're doing in that second. But yes. still, I guess they didn't want to be unrealistic because it seemed improbable that Mox and Jules would stay together if he's going all the way to, I think, New Hampshire is where Brown is. and uh, Rhode Island. Rhode Island. And she's still got one more year of school. Yeah. Well, we know Darcy and Lance aren't staying together, but even just to say, and Darcy did get out of town and did do, you know what I mean? Like just yeah. to give throw her something. I know. <laughs> Darcy barely factors in at all after the kiss in the hall with Mox, and then Jules is so underdeveloped and barely utilized yeah. in this movie that I'm embarrassed with myself for never really noticing it before this most recent right. viewing for the podcast. I never really picked up on how little. Jules I know. actually is in this movie. Yeah. It's weird. See, you know, one thing that Less Than Zero really gets right <laughs> is, like, how much really changes between that summer after you graduate and then, like, people are at school for, like, a half a semester and then they come back for, like, the holiday breaks. Yeah. Wouldn't Mox be, like, immediately trying to get it going with Darcy again? Because you have that time in between. You're like, what was I doing? <laughs> I made a huge mistake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but of course, she's like dating her professor now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're sweet, but you know you are. Yeah. <laughs> I love that part when, when she says that. And Mox makes a face of like, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> because you're kind of wondering, what does that mean? I don't even know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm surprised that nothing much came after this. They did announce a TV show in 2002. It never aired. I don't know if they even really filmed it or not. I know people were cast, and screenwriter W. Peter Iliff and producer Tova Leder were involved, and it was going forward at one point, and then it, it never happened, which is the case for a lot of shows. Sure. But... I guess it sort of got overshadowed by Friday Night Lights, which as a movie, which was much more realistic and grounded in sort of a more real world feel. Less about like sex, too. But then I guess the show, Friday Night Lights, there's all kinds of crazy shit in that where like True. somebody kills somebody. Yeah, that's like the second season. So I don't know, but I think that Varsity Blues fits in with more of a heightened over the top thing. 
but I don't know. I guess, I guess it got replaced. It got corrected, and then it just yeah. Nobody felt like it was worth returning to eventually, but I don't know. I guess for me, it still has some name brand recognition. I'm surprised it hasn't been I think so. brought back anywhere. Yeah, as anything, maybe they can't use the title anymore because of that lawsuit. I don't That's know. True. I think they just know too is everybody hears Varsity Blues and thinks Whipped Cream Bikini, and it's hard to play that card <laughs> again. <laughs> I don't know. I think that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that people know the movie and I don't want your life and the whole thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. That'll do it for Varsity Blues. We definitely went longer than our first time around. Hopefully we really delved into it enough. I think we gave it the treatment it deserved. I don't know if we can yeah. squeeze any more out of this. I'd like them to do an updated, gritty Varsity Blues with the same legacy characters and yes they'd have to write in that several of them have passed away and what oh wow yeah and like address it <laughs> exactly I what know. everyone would be looking for in a new varsity blues <laughs> really like depressing yeah well it'd be for me <laughs> now like darcy's going to the whipped cream bikini but she has kids and like her kids are running into the room <laughs> it's like <laughs> and it's like what are you doing don't do this <laughs> All right, we're going to skip out on recommendations this week just because we're sort of recording these all in a tight schedule to try to get things ready for the big Greatest October. Going forward from here on out, probably a weird release schedule. A lot of stuff coming at different times. I'll be traveling for a week or so, and I know that we condense things down because we're trying to cram in the extra episode into October. So just be prepared for releases any night, which is why you should be subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Podbean so you never miss an episode. Who knows when we're going to release them? Mm-hmm. Also, find us on Twitter at Greatest Pod. And if you'd like a sticker, let us know on there and we'll send that to you for free. Give us a rating and review. Let us know what you think of the show, comments. I, some people chimed in over the recent weeks with different thoughts on Darjeeling Limited and Wes Anderson and whatnot. I love to see that stuff. Definitely. Believe me, you're never bothering us. We love to get any kind of interaction going. Absolutely, yeah. We're desperate for it. Yeah. And find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, and Matt Crosby on there. And I think that'll do it for Varsity Blues. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. These times contagious I've never been this bored before Is this the prize I've waited for?
Mr. Moxon. Are you here with us? The mail action? Mm -hmm. uh, pitching a tent, sporting wood, icicles formed, marches on. Oh, Jonathan. Stiff, thanks. stiffy Mr. Mortis. <laughs> Rigor Mortis is set in. Flesh Rocket, uh, Jack's Magic Beanstalk, Tall Tommy, Mushroom on a Stick, Mr. Mushroom Head, Purple Headed Yogurt Slinger. <laughs> And, uh, Pedro. Pedro? 